0: On today's episode of 5-Minute Radiography, I'm going to tackle a question that often comes up from students and seasoned technologists alike, and it has to do with exposure indicators. That question goes something like this. Why is it that I can take an x-ray on one single piece of anatomy using a manual technique, and then take another x-ray of the same anatomy with the same technique, and have a different exposure indicator? Now depending on your situation, this could be a very big answer, but I'm going to try to keep it between 5 and 10 minutes for this week's show. Okay, so this is a great question, and before I get into the details, I'm going to be putting out a YouTube video this week that will further explain this and show you some examples of actual radiographs taken in a hospital setting that this concept applies to. So if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, I'll have a link to this in my show notes and you can find those at 5minuteradiography.com. Let's start with a hypothetical example. You perform a hand series on a patient from the emergency room and your patient's diagnosed with a dislocated fifth digit. Now you know the patient will most likely return for post-reduction images. So you make a mental note to remember that you use 60 kVp and 1.6 mass to produce an EI of 200, which is optimum for your PA view. We're just going to focus on that view for the purposes of this example. You then set the same technical factors for the post-reduction PA view when the patient returns, but this time you get an EI of 500. You're using the same room, the same technical factors, and the same SID was set. How is it possible that you're now overexposing the image? We all know that every little variable can have an effect on exposure indicators, but when your major variables are the same, 9 times out of 10 the difference in EI number between these two exposures will have to do with your collimated field and or the anatomy's location within that field. This will be true for both CR and DR imaging. If you're like me and spent some years working with film screen systems, This was not a factor and could possibly be why so many seasoned technologists have difficulty with this concept. You could literally have the same anatomy and or collimated field anywhere on the image receptor and you could produce uniform density with manual exposure techniques or even multiple exposures on one single cassette with film screen without experiencing any variations in the total darkness of your image. So why is it such a big problem with digital imaging then? This is a result of specific steps involved with image processing. First, the creation of a histogram for each image will occur. And there will be differences between the two images as a result of the variation in collimation or positioning. A histogram, if you're not familiar with the term, is a graphical representation of luminance values. It's basically a graph with an X and Y axis The x-axis from left to right represents the pixel shades available in your image from light to dark. The y-axis up and down is simply the number of pixels that represent a particular shade of gray. Again, if you're a visual person, make sure to check out my YouTube video when it comes out this week, and I will have examples of histograms. In your first PA hand image in this example, We had tight collimation, and the second was less conservative with a larger exposure field. This is going to change your histogram to show a taller peak of darker shaded pixels due to the higher quantity of those dark pixels on the second image. The second attribute of image processing that causes the variation in exposure indicators is automatic rescaling. Automatic rescaling is the portion of processing that allows for an overexposed image to be manipulated during image processing to appear with the same brightness level as an image that has an optimum exposure indicator. If you recall in our example, the first PA hand image was optimal with an EI at 200. The second image, which probably had a wider field of view, meaning less collimation, had an EI of 500, which would be considered overexposed according to manufacturer recommendations, even though the same technical factors were used. In order for automatic rescaling to work, it relies on data from the histogram. So if there's a significantly larger number of dark pixels because an image was overexposed, or if there's a larger number of dark pixels simply representing a larger exposed region of the radiograph outside the anatomy of interest, but within the collimated field, The computer can't tell the difference between the two. It simply sees the data, including the larger number of dark pixels. It also sees the average pixel value being darker on image 2, and adjusts the brightness according to its pre-programmed instructions to be uniform between the two images at the display console. With digital imaging, we have now lost the visual representation of overexposure that we once had with film screen imaging. The only way to know it's overexposed now is by evaluating the exposure indicator. If you really did have an overexposed image on the film screen systems, the image would simply be dark. But automatic rescaling in digital imaging allows the presentation of the final processed image to appear to be optimum. In other words, it's at the pre-programmed brightness level despite being over or underexposed. As Barry Burns used to say, It's as dumb as a box of rocks, but we need to understand how it's designed to process images and make adjustments to truly understand why this effect is happening and how to avoid it. It could have been avoided by maintaining the same field size between both images in this case. now This example was simple because it involved a manual technique on an extremity and only one variable, that being collimation. Things get more complicated when you start adding thicker anatomy and scatter radiation into the mix But the overall lesson remains simple. We need to be consistent with all our variables in order to master manual techniques and ultimately fine-tune our technical factors so they produce images that are optimally exposed within the range of exposure indicators that they need to be. I hope you're finding these sorts of podcast episodes helpful. If so, please do me a huge favor and take a few moments to rate and review the show in whatever podcatcher you're using to listen. My goal is to keep this show, along with my YouTube videos, free, and rating and reviewing is the best thing you can do to help increase exposure so that other people who might benefit from this kind of info will have a better chance at visualizing it. Of course, sharing this with your coworkers or classmates always helps with that, too. Please keep your questions and topic suggestions coming for both the podcast and the YouTube channel. Those add fuel to my creative process and make me want to keep going. If you'd like to get in touch with me and stay up to date on all of my content, you can follow me at 5menrad on Instagram and Twitter, subscribe to my YouTube channel, or email me at topicsandradiography.com. Make sure you're testing these things out that we're discussing in your work or clinical environment. I would love to hear about your results. Thank you so much for listening once again, and have a great week.